Hi there. Time for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni, and the coffee shop is World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason. With me in the coffee shop is Josh Malmtree, leader of Redwood Sun. Sometimes he is Redwood Sun, and he'll explain about that. But I have something else to explain. After checking out the recording gear before we started and making sure it worked, I went ahead like I always do. My conversation with Josh was amazing, certainly one of a kind, and not to be duplicated. When I played it back after we finished, I found audio problems which are not fixable. I was going to cancel it. Then I thought, hell, Josh was too too good not to use it. So here it is. Listen closely because the audio truly sucks. But it's worth the trouble. Josh, welcome to the cupping room. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Glad you can make it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. What did you do on New Year's? New Year's Eve. Did, did, you have, did you have a gig? I did some Yacht Rock. Yeah, on the Portland Spirit. Ah. Yeah. Ah. Yacht, soft Yacht Rock. What, what is... <laughs> <laughs> what is that exactly? That's a good question. I don't know. I've always <laughs> wanted to use that term. Uh, <laughs> Basically, what we did was, um, have you heard of Brady Goss? Sure. Yeah, so Brady and I have played quite a bit of music together over the last year. <clears throat> we have an interchangeable band of sorts, but um, we have Brady and his band upstairs on the second deck. And then uh, my buddy Tim Carplus, who plays piano and guitar and bass and everything else. We were down on the lower deck. Um, and originally it was supposed to be a kind of earlier set on the lower deck then we were going to team up on the second deck for a big sort of super band dance party kind yeah. of thing um, and then we found out the day of that we were actually supposed to both be playing the whole time on separate decks so i basically played a duo set with tim and they've got these uh those electric baby grand yeah pianos on board yeah. and so tim just played that and I, I played through my little Bose tower and fed it through the house, and we just did a really cool duo. Like, it definitely wasn't soft rock, but I don't know what yacht <laughs> rock is. Whatever it is, we did it. And uh, you played your stuff. Played my stuff, yeah. And then Brady played upstairs, and you know he was a hit up there. He just he's got a perfect catalog for that kind of demographic. It was the boat was sold out, mm -hmm. and we just cruised up and down the river from. 10 to 1 a.m. and then yeah. I went out there at around midnight, uh, right before midnight, took some pictures and we were under the Tillicum Bridge uh -huh. right about that time and we ran in the New Year and played the rest of it and that was all she wrote and went by really fast. And unlike the blues cruises, no one was on the top deck. Uh, <laughs> not that night. There were some people up there that well, yeah. tried to bear the... Be the other man, not to play there. No, no. Actually, what's funny is that I used to work on the boat. Did you? Yeah, back in 2004. Uh -huh. And uh, and that was like right after I started playing guitar. And I saw a, a job posting for musical bartenders. And I was like, that's me. I'm a bartender. I just started playing music. I want to be playing more music. This is way before I ever started doing any of this, you know, professionally, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and so I went and auditioned 
for this bartending job. I've never auditioned for a bartending job. <laughs> I brought my guitar in and I played them a couple songs and they were like, oh, that's amazing, that's great. You know, they didn't really care whether I was a good bartender or not, per se. They, they had my resume and they're like, yeah, you, you got bartending experience, but you can play guitar and sing. And I was like, this is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna be on this boat playing my music, wow. doing a little bartending. I get hired, I show up the first day, like, yeah, so we basically play one song. Like, we sing a song together before the crew starts, um, but the bartenders don't even end up usually doing it because they're doing more setup and prep before the cruise takes off. So I'm like, wait, so we're not playing, I'm not playing my music or anything? Like, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. We just have some sort of background. We have like a piano player who comes and just plays, you know, atmospheric jazz or whatever. And, uh, but didn't you hire me to? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I was pretty disappointed. Yeah. Um, and so I bartended for a little bit and I did a little bit of, of one season. I was like, you know, I'm, this is, this, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so I quit working on the boat and then years later, um, through Kink, uh -huh. I ended up getting invited to do one of those early skate cruises. Uh -huh. When I was bartending, I remember bands coming on, like uh, Stephen Ashbrook was doing mm -hmm. one, uh, Amelia yeah. was really blowing up at that time. And, you know, a lot of the, Musicians that I remember from when I was bartending at the green room were uh -huh. coming on the boat to play for this kink event. Wait, you like, bartended at the green room? Yeah, I used to bartend at the green room. That's how I found music, actually. Through Sabelle and Botalis? Sabelle and Botalis. Do you remember them? No. They're the ones who did the polkas and. Oh, yeah. And he, he was a kind of a chubby guy and he played keyboards and yes. she was a glamour puss. Yes, I did. They were hilarious. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, some of the most amazing bands. And some of the folks who are considered, you know, real true veterans of, of the yeah. scene now were just cutting their teeth back yeah. then. Yeah. Stephanie yeah. Steinman was just right. sort of getting rolling. Scott Fisher was just getting rolling. Yeah. The, the Free Fountain Ramblers played every month. Yeah. Um, Jack Straw was playing all the time. Bingo. Uh, Joey Porter was playing every Tuesday. Joey Porter. He, had a, he had a Hammond trio that he was doing. Um, it was just really amazing because I stumbled into that and had no idea, you know. I found, basically I found music through my bartending work and the boat was one of those things. And I remember those guys coming on board to play and I thought that would be so, this is what I thought I was signing up for. Yeah. Was yeah. to be playing music on a boat like these guys <laughs> are right now. And I thought, man, if someday if I could ever get invited to play on the boat, you know, by kink. I'll have made it, that's it. And so then, you know, Full Circle comes around, I get invited to come play that, and I ended up doing it five years in a row. Wow. And every time, because they decided at a certain point they weren't gonna do it on the upper deck anymore because mm -hmm. the weather was too yeah. consistent, so it was always inside. <laughs> and so for four years in a row, I played indoors during the summer. I'm like, man, this is not what I thought we were doing. They played upstairs, yeah. and that's what's fun. So then the last year, I actually got to play upstairs, and I decided during that gig, I was like, I'm not doing the boat anymore, because I finally got to play upstairs, and that was the whole point of this experience. Nice day, everybody's out on the top deck, soaking in the sun in Portland, playing music, and so that, I, I did that, and I was like, done. But then I got, I, you know, did the New Year's gig, and I was down on the first level, so now I've played every level, and now, uh, I think I've, I've completed the puzzle. The cycle. Yeah, the cycle, cycle of the Portland Spirit. I, when I first moved to town, 
I got hired to, to freelance for the Oregonian. I was, I was writing tons of stuff. But I also got hired, uh, I saw an ad, because I, I had done radio a lot, talk radio a lot. I saw an ad for um, uh, a, a talk show host, which is what I did. I, mean, I, I did network talk when I was living in Baltimore. And so I go, I go down there, I give him my reel, I give him my resume, we talk about what I had done, right? And got the job, and the week that the week that I was supposed to start, he gives me the format, and he's got me doing news. I mean, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not a news guy. I make fun of things, you know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm funny, you know. And so the first week that I was on the air with this new format, new call letters, it's whatever 620 was back then. Princess Di drops dead, right? And I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care. Mm -hmm. but All of a sudden, that. yeah, but I didn't, real, I didn't really realize how, how huge it was. The magnitude? Yeah, and I'm like, sort of like, yeah, tossing it off, and you know, they, <laughs> they sent somebody down there to sit in with me. To get some news out of you? To, to, to deal with the Princess Diana thing. Because yeah. I just didn't, I, who cares, you know, I mean, the princess, you know, right. what does that have to do with anything, you know, and I still, I still contend that I was right, but um, not in commercial radio, so they, they, they took me off that shit, they actually gave me switch. a talk show, they actually gave me a talk show, which is oh. what they should have done in the first place, uh, <laughs> so, so I, I got hired one time, uh, I, I moved back from, uh, to Baltimore from LA, and did the same thing, Showed him my reel, told him what I did, told him what I didn't do, and for some reason he got the, he got the idea in his head that I was a videographer. Hmm. I'm not a videographer. I've never been a videographer. Nothing in, nothing in my past says anything about that. I'm yet, this is a major market station, right? Mm -hmm. TV station. No, I'm not a videographer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well. It's crazy. It is sometimes you just got to go with those with, with those situations and just see. Well, this is really odd. Yeah. See what the outcome is of this and yeah. whatever the, the reason is for that. And yeah. I do feel pretty I feel fortunate to have experienced all that, you know. But there's definitely that that time in between not knowing what I was trying to go for with music because yeah. I as soon as I started playing, I just decided that that was what I wanted to do. And once that grabs you and you know, like, this is what I want to do, yeah. it's hard to find yourself. And uh, uh -huh. just to kind of bring it full circle, that's playing on the boat for, for New Year's Eve. It really was one of those reflective moments where I'm just kind of looking around and I'm like, wow, you yeah. know, I, I, I wasn't, I had zero idea that I was going to be a dad in the near future at the time that I had taken yeah. that job on the boat. I had no idea what was in store for me with my music. I didn't know what kind of stylistically I thought going into it that I was born this specific realm, which I won't even mention right now because Why? it's more embarrassing than it is really? productive. Um, well, I mean, not really. It was. Come on. Well, I. What was it? Uh, it's okay. I know. <laughs> we like what we like. Yeah, it? it is okay. It is okay. It was. It was a. Uh, it, it was being in the weird place at the weird time, but 
You know, when I first heard that Brushfire Fairy Tales from mm-hmm. Jack Johnson, <clears throat> my friend went to Everyday Music um, and he picked up, he had just heard this random thing, he picked up a copy of this, this album, and that was before anybody had heard of him, and brings it, brings it home, we were living together at the time up here near, near the green room, mm-hmm. and uh, as soon as I heard that record, I was like, if I played music, this is what it would sound like. I hadn't played, hadn't written a song. Wow. I just felt, you know, vibe-wise, stylistically, mm-hmm. that that's what I would play if I was huh. playing music. And I was obviously working at the green room with a lot of amazing, creative people around me. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting a taste of every genre, from bluegrass yeah. to funk to reggae to mm-hmm. even hip-hop. Dr. Theopolis played sure. there all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I love music, but I was trying to figure out if I were to play music, what would it be like? And that was the thing that spoke to me. And so I started playing guitar, and those were some of the first songs I learned how to play with some of the Jack Johnson Did it come songs. easy to you? It came really easy, yeah. yeah. And so that was even more of, a, of, of a, an affirmation. But you hadn't played a music instrument before that? No. Wow. Yeah, so it all happened really fast. And that was because of my feeling that that was the vibe, that that was the kind of music that I would play, mm-hmm. when I started learning those songs and it came so easily, yeah. a lot of my friends were just like, whoa, man, what? You just started playing guitar and you're already playing this stuff. And yeah. he has a really unique kind of percussive style of playing guitar, which mm-hmm. you know really resonated with me. And so you know, I started playing that and then shortly after he's he's blowing up and I'm playing that album down the green room. My coworkers are like, Oh my god, don't play that shit anymore and <laughs> and I'm like, I like it. Shut up, you know, I'm yeah. sit, I'm bartending, I'm sitting the vibe that I want, you know, in this place tonight. And that was one of the best parts about bartending there yeah. is we get to play DJ and we had a like five hundred disc changer or something ridiculous in there and I was I experienced so much great live music, but then I got turned on so many artists that I hadn't heard of. Like, you know, at the time, I mean, it's kind of silly, probably to you, but I hadn't heard of Taj Mahal at that time, and you know, got a couple albums in the changer there, and I'm just I'm playing that shit all the time because I'm like, this is amazing, and he's been around forever, and I hadn't even heard of him until I was working there, and so I was pretty just naive. I interviewed him so long ago that he was still not telling people his real name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's been, it's, I mean, those guys that have been around for so long, it's, it's really remarkable. And, uh, you know, and I do think that whatever voice you find or whatever vibe you yeah. have, that's what I've noticed more than anything else, regardless of genre. I just ran into mm-hmm. somebody last night at the, I was at the Blazer game, and I ran into uh, Nathan Earl from the band Get Ahead, uh-huh. Get Ahead. Um, super talented guy, and we saw each other. Well, I, I, I saw them in a show with Red Ray uh-huh. one night, and we got to talking. And stylistically, we have really no business doing anything together. Yeah. Um, but we liked each other's vibe, and we're like, let's put a show together. And he's totally down with the Get Ahead teaming up with Redwood Sun on a show because yeah. it's just good people making good music. And 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 we talked about it last night at the game. We're like, you know, I get a sense. At least personally, I get a sense that we're really starting to get into that that kind of territory where it's not about the music or the style or the genre anymore. It's just about people who vibe well together, yeah. who set 
you know, who've got like a good positive, um, healthy vibe going at their shows, and and those are the things that people want to go out and see as opposed to just yeah. come check out this band. Who's well, I think one of the most happens. healthy things that's going on right now is, is the synthesis of, of genres. Mm -hmm. People just, you know, I mean, it goes, it goes back a long time. I mean, you know, Alan Toussaint arranged for the band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> It's not new, but um, it just seems to be uh, uh, a good thing. It's a great thing, and I, I see it happening in Portland, and I'm excited about it because I've never been one to, not only beat a dead horse, but it really is a vibe to yeah. me. And yeah. so from the time that I started playing and all the people that I was meeting and, and people that I was around, everything that I gravitated towards and everything that resonated with me was more about the vibe than it was mm -hmm. the scene. Yeah. Um, and so you see scenes just pop up and fall and you know, constantly. And I, I think in Portland there's such a huge saturation with talent mm -hmm. on every level, in every genre, that it seems like the only next natural step is to really start truly like blending all these things together and having more shows that you just don't know what you're going to get. Right. Yeah, my, my guiding principle has always been, I've always used the um, uh, slogan that the Art Ensemble of Chicago always used, great music, ancient to the future. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ancient to the future. Ancient to the future. Yeah. Everything in between. You know. uh, and that, you know, that's, that's the way, yeah, it's just, uh, and of course, you know, and the old Duke Ellington line, there's only two kinds of music. Good Yeah. <laughs> I could get behind that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's relative to uh, an extent, but I really am just, maybe I'm, I'm like overly optimistic yeah. these days. And I've been coming up with different uh, titles for my album. Uh -huh. You know how that goes. It's a, it's a yeah. total rabbit hole. And yeah. I've got so many ideas. They're all great. But one of them was, uh, was, foolishly optimistic because uh -huh. I really feel like the older I get and where my headspace is right now, I'm just really optimistic. Why you get all this other information being shoved down your throat about, yeah. you know, the music industry is just crumbling and everything's going to shit and uh, there's no way to sustain and blah, blah. There's just all this negative information and I, right. I just don't subscribe to it. I feel yeah. like, no, this is, we're right on the verge of, of a turning point where things are going to start getting good again because there are bands doing it for, uh -huh. you know, people are going back to that live show model where they really want to yeah. put on a show and it's not contrived and it's not, um, you know, it's not self-important and people are more willing to work together and collaborate uh -huh. and I think it's starting to happen more and more in Portland, but yeah. I'm excited just about the, the future of of music and just good, good people doing music, which makes it, you know, good music. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Because a lot of people, I, I don't hear that much. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 a uh, uh, it's, it's good to hear somebody who's optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so optimistic. You, so speaking of optimism, this is a new band. Yeah, it's a new, it's a new project. It's a new band. It's a new. Who's on it? Here. Uh, well, it's still kind of coming all together, but uh -huh. right now, um, you know, one one guy I'm really, really excited about is 
JP Downer. Mm-hmm. He's been playing bass. And he's super, I mean, he's a very proficient musician. But what I've been impressed with more than anything is just his, uh, his ability to communicate, his ability to, his, his preparation. I mean, he's a total pro, but he's a, he's a real, like, leader on stage uh-huh. in a very laid-back, yeah. um, unassuming way. And so it's been nice because I've, for years, I've been sort of spinning out, had all sorts of, I had a great band last year mm-hmm. um, that was starting to really pick up some momentum, and then life happened. And yeah. bass player got a job offer down in Southern California for School of Rock to open a new school. Well, I remember the first time I saw you guys was at the Bite a long time ago. And oh, yeah. I looked up on the stage and I said, Chance Hayden. I went, yeah. holy shit, this is Chance, that's Chance Hayden, he's a jazz cat. This guy must have something going on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, that was part of the process of, um, you know, trying things out. I mean, obviously that band, you know, I had known Jared Lawson from, you know, back in the day. Is that right? Yeah, from a completely different, like before he had ever even established himself as, as Jared. Awesome. He was yeah. in a band called Forearm Shiver, <laughs> and it was just a bunch of buddies that were like yeah. hanging out, you know, partying together and playing music, and he played keyboard in that band, and um, they were all monsters. They had Nate Nathaniel Shorts from Fractal, who was originally in Fractal, and uh-huh. uh, Libby Roach, but that's where I met Kip, who was my drummer, yeah. was through that project. Um, he's, he's your drummer in this new band? No, no. Oh, okay. Kip, Kip is the one that passed away back in oh, 2009. Okay. Um, but that's where I met him. I see. And basically through process of elimination, I was just kind of bringing on guys that I thought musically knew what was going on, yeah. whether it was the right fit for my music or not. Yeah. Chance and I just happened to live in the same neighborhood. Where right? We were, yeah. you know, crossing paths at the coffee shop all the time. and. Uh-huh. He's doing his jazz thing, and I think at the time he was playing up there at uh, what was that restaurant before they shut it down and changed it? Right there in Uptown. Uh, it was an old like kind of what a legendary breakfast spot um, that had multiple levels. Touche? No, not touche. Up oh. there, right, right by Ben and Jerry's, hmm. at the top of uh, Everett. Oh. You remember? Yeah. I want to say like Cameo, Cameo Cafe. Oh, oh, Cameo, yeah. Cameo, I, yeah. For some reason, I, I, I never got there. Chance was playing there, yeah. uh, like on a monthly or bi-weekly basis yeah. or something, and he was putting posters up in the coffee shop, and he was like, "This kid, Chance Hayden," and um, and I was doing my own thing with with, with Jay Malin at the time, which yeah. was the name of my band, and we just crossed paths enough to like, well, why don't we just start playing. He was so young and green. Yeah. I was like, well, I can keep you busy. And he's like, I want to be busy. Yes. And, uh, you know, I can, I could admit now, and he would probably admit too, if we, if we were to be really honest. <laughs> he's like, that was, that was his, uh, that was where he cut his teeth. And that's where he learned how to be, you know, a, an accompanist, uh-huh. an accompanist with um, a volatile band leader, you know, because <laughs> that was, I was really kind of a shit show. But I beg your pardon? I was really a shit show. Really? In a, in a lot of ways. I oh. was just sort of banging around and taking 
taking whatever was coming my way. Yeah. And I was keeping him busy, but there was definitely, you know, he was he was working a lot and he was making okay money, but you know, myself, me just holding it together personally. Yeah. Um, and my attention to detail with the music was not all there. Yeah. So when Jared was taking his break to do his album, because uh, we I put a show together with all of us and good people. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought that Chris and Josh as a rhythm section were super tight and Chance was already playing guitar with me so I was like well I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with that and we're just gonna go promote this album and play Um, and that's what we did you know for a good year and a half when I released my last album but you know stylistically that was never really gonna be the right fit it was just (laughs) hey these guys are committed I'm committed I got this thing I'm promoting let's go do it um, and so, you know, full circle, now I've got this new album, the band that's come together with JP, mm-hmm. um, his buddy Randy Herber is going to be playing drums, he was playing with Robbie Ross for a long time, he's kind of been in the blues scene, um, and then Sam Larson's going to start playing guitar with us, are you familiar with him? He's been playing with us. He played with Christian Burghardt for mm-hmm. a long time, but then he's, he's also been playing with Patrick Lamb, and wow. um, you know he's super versatile. But he's kind of been more in that uh, pop, R and B, and funk world. Yeah. But he's he's just a really hungry, talented young guitar player. Not so different than Chance. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm just kind of going with this natural way that's coming together and it, it all kind of um, it all kind of circles around JP as as a very astute you know leader mm-hmm. and, and music You're not the director. Leader? Well I am but it's nice for me to be able to do what I do which is yeah. write songs and then perform them and like entertain and, and, and be a front yeah. a front man you know, band. You know I heard David Bromberg say one time he said I always like to have a guy in the band who plays better than I do. Uh-huh. And I, I, I have taken that to heart for years, years and years, and the whole seven years of working in music news, mm-hmm. I've always tried to have people who are much better. It's not hard to be better than me, but, right. but I, you know, I think that's really important. I feel the same way. I mean, musically, I don't have a whole lot. I can't really hold a flame to a lot of the people that I work with, um, but I've got a different sense in terms yeah. of you know, I'm, I'm one of those like hybrid artists that understands the business, understands mm-hmm. songwriting, understands how to bring people together, understands how to book shows, understands how to network, understands all of those logistics. And what I've found over the years is that a lot of times once I get on stage to do this thing that's actually what I'm putting all this energy into, yeah. I'm not having fun and I'm anxious and stressed out because I'm trying to direct the band yeah. on stage when really I'm I'm supposed to be addressing yeah. you know the people who are there to see this thing and so it, it sounds trivial and kind of kind of silly but uh, we were playing at White Eagle we've been doing that every Sunday just mm-hmm. to kind of tighten things up and there was a moment where the band was we we're kind of jamming mm-hmm. and just doing our thing and I'm totally lost in the music yeah you know which hasn't happened for a long time, but I'm, I'm really great. just immersed in the music and going, I like it. This sounds really good. This feels go. good right now. Yeah. 
it's not it's not like I'm out chopping wood, which I've felt plenty of times uh -huh. playing music. Yeah. You know, yeah. my guitar actually looks like it's beat up, like I've just been out chopping wood with it. Um, but I'm I'm just totally in the music, and then the jam we're just sort of going freeform, and at a certain point, it naturally feels like yeah, this is where we should go into the bridge or start heading out of the song. And uh, you could either do that or we could go another, yeah. you know, four bars and then, and then, and, uh, and JP cued the band and I just take the cue just like another yeah. band member, yeah. like, oh, we're going to the bridge. And that moment, <laughs> as ridiculous as it sounds, was like one of the most, uh, relieving and just encouraging moments that I've had in a long time where somebody else on stage yeah. is deciding what we're doing and I don't have to be the one making decisions. And I get so tired of making decisions all the time. Tell me about it. Yeah, and so I was like, this is amazing. I really believe that um, uh, I'm a much better editor than that, a much better writer than I'm an editor. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm a shitty editor. Uh, but, uh, and I, and I, I really do believe that editing where you're using these all these years has adversely affected my writing. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, it'll be there. It's either there or it's not there, right? right. Either it comes out of your fingers or it doesn't, you know? And um, it's just been, it, you know, it's just so, it, it is such a relief and it's, and it's thrilling, literally thrilling, to, to have that happen. Uh, but it hasn't happened enough for me mm -hmm. <laughs> in the last couple of years. Um, so, um, some people might be confused about the band Redwood Sun and then you being Redwood Sun. Right. Did you explain that? Yeah, I would love to explain that because it actually just came up a day ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, Redwood Sun when I first came up with it, it was specifically intentionally used for, the, the purpose of going with a name like that was so, if I was by myself, it would still be, because it's a singular thing, yeah. Redwood Sun. Yeah. The truth is, when I first came up with the name, my brother and I were playing together, and he's a really amazing guitar player, but we're brothers, yeah. so you know how that goes. Yeah. But it was originally Redwood Sons, plural, and and just for because you're from Redlands. Well, I'm from California. Yeah. I'm from the, the Bay Area, yeah. um, Ben Lomond, mm -hmm. Santa Cruz, yeah, yeah. the hills, and then all my family lives in Mendocino County. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of ties to that, you know, yeah. sequoias and, and yeah. redwoods and those parks and. Mm -hmm. I made jokes about that I was conceived in 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 a car, you know, driving through that tourist spot, driving through the redwood, and whatever. We can go a lot of different directions with that. But um, once I found it, and what's funny, just for giggles, because you know Lisa pretty well, but I was consulting with Lisa at the time, uh -huh. and Lisa Lapine, Lisa Lapine, pro motion queen, yeah, and. Uh, well, I was talking to earlier today. Oh, were you? Yeah. Not about you either. No. Oh. Well, that would have been really exceptional if you were. <laughs> and then this came up. But, um, you know, she she was actually consulting with me, and I was going under that other name, Jay Malum. And so 
this is like one of the first times that, and I actually met her at the green room also when she was managing Scott and she was coming in a lot of times and so I knew her from that from those exchanges but she didn't know me as a musician uh-huh. then years go by and come back around and I'm you know reconnecting with her and I'm a musician looking to kind of you know, find my way so she gets my CD and uh, does her thing that she does where she absorbs that she's looking at the cd and listening to it she's like okay well here's what i gotta say like you're good she's like so that's one that that's one good thing we got going for it yeah she's like your your name your branding i don't i don't get it i don't understand what's going on i'm like yeah i know i know i'm trying to figure that out and so she's like well have you thought of any other names i mean is there anything else that you've even considered and just in a joking kind of way, I'm embarrassed about it. I'm like, well, I kind of thought of this idea because of where I'm from. I thought Redwood Suns. And she was just like, oh my God, that's it. That's it. She's like, just stop right there. And the reason it was Redwood Suns is because it was going to be my brother and I both yeah. doing this thing. And whether it was a duo or we had a whole band or whatever. But that didn't work out because he's stubborn and I'm stubborn. And we just decided to not do it. And I was I was ready to move forward with that name and so I just cut off the other S and said yeah. this is gonna be a singular thing and whether, you know, it's like Citizen Cope or yeah. Bright Eyes or yeah. you know, some of these other projects. Yeah. Like I've been screwed over so many times with bands that, you know, become disbanded or yeah. people go in different I'm like, I just want to have a name that sticks no matter what no matter who's with me. Right. And so I went with Redwood Sun. And then as I release that album, I'm going out and I'm interviewing people just cannot get over the fact that this is Josh Malm from Redwood Sun. I'm like, no, 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 this is, I'm just promoting Redwood Sun. Yeah. Like, I don't have to be Josh from yeah. Redwood Sun. Yeah. I can be Redwood Sun. And they're like, well, but that's the band, right? I'm like, well, whether it's me by myself or whether it's with a nine-piece band, it's still Redwood Sun. And trying to explain that, to me it seems simple, but to other people who are absorbing that for the first time it's easy to get confused and so finally i got to a point where i decided i'm going to be redwood sun and then i'll come up with a name for the band whoever's backing me up and so i came up with redwood sun and the revelry which is the band and it's also kind of a sort of celebratory state of mind where Uh this band me together we're going to create this vibe that's going to be really fun and and celebratory Um, and then that band fell apart, which is what happens. So now I've got that decision to make where I've got this band coming together, but in a, in a way, this band is already a band. They're, they're called Them The Band. And they back up Aaron Ross uh-huh. at Dante's every Tuesday for his talk show. So they're like the house band. Um, and they go by Them The Band. So they go out and play shows, and that's how they bill it. They're Them The Band. So I'm like, well, since this is already a band, am I supposed to, is this supposed to be Red and Sun with them the band? Or are they the revelry now? You know, and it's so easy to get convoluted with, with all this naming of yeah. things. But one thing that has not changed is that it's always Red with Sun. So I'm just going to yeah. stick with that, whether I've got a band or not. And I think people have grown accustomed to just... Sometimes it'll be a band, and sometimes it'll seem so acoustic, and sometimes it'll be a duo with doing yacht rock on a boat, you know? (laughs) Uh, Hopefully they just 
everybody realizes that um, it's just the songs. I'm the songwriter and yeah. I'm the singer and yeah. it's Red with Sun. Okay. Did I even answer anything there? Yes. yes. A little bit? Yes. You're, you're, you're still seem a little undecided. Now, I think Red, Red with Sun and the Revelry is, is that's where it's at. Because I yeah. like what that conveys and what that represents. Uh -huh. It's just funny. It's, it's really more of a joke that because these guys are in a, them the band. Yes. <laughs> that's just, that's funny and that's intended to be. That's the house band for the, yeah. for the Aaron Ross show. Yeah. Um, but those members are, you know, depending on how things go and where this album goes and what kind of opportunities it opens up, you know, some of them may be available to go tour and get behind that. Some of them may not. But mm -hmm. my intention is that I'm going to go really push this thing in a way that I haven't uh -huh. before. And that means I'm going out solo acoustic opening for a national. Uh -huh. I'm going to do that. Yeah. If I have an opportunity and I have the, the, uh, the, the tour support and the budgeting to take a band out and just kick some ass, then I want to do that too. But I don't know yet. Yeah. yeah. What about the new album? Is it done? Oh yeah, it's done. Yeah. yeah. And Steve Berlin produced it? Yeah. What was that like? Working with Steve? Yeah. Uh, it has been, well we're still working together. Yeah. Well that, so that's, that's the gift that, that keeps that's giving. That's positive. That's positive. <laughs> yeah. We haven't, <laughs> he hasn't fired me or I haven't fired him or, you know. No, he's a great guy. I honestly, um, I had a lot of options before this record came about, and I had traveled to Nashville and met with some producers down there, and some really, really exceptional producers as well. And uh, my heart just felt like I was not ready to, I still wanted to do one more kind of, I see this as my debut album, even though I'd already put out that really? double album you know, the line inside back in 2011. Wow. I see this as being my true debut in terms of, like, this is who I am. This is my identity. Yeah. Um, Must be nice to debut an album when you've got a whole bunch of fans already. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and that's what I mean about the music industry. I don't think that there are so many models that have been uh -huh. just shattered and yeah, you know, yeah, re yeah, yeah. reconfigured. I don't really think that um, bands are supposed to. You see people starting projects and trying to go down that same path of this is how you get a project going and this is how you strategize your releases yeah. or whatever and build your fan base. And people build up and break down projects all the time. Sure. And to me, like you said, you know, somebody like Taj Mahal or some of these other right. artists have been around forever. I want the longevity. Yeah. I've been told by a lot of people over the years that I should just scrap Redwood Sun and start over. Um, I've had people tell me that because of the tragedy that was connected to it with Kip dying and then me putting the album, because that was the, for good reason, but you know, the media kind of latched onto that as, as the story. You know, I'm overcoming this tragedy, and, and I was, and, and the thing was dedicated to Kip um, but it was really more of a cathartic, just get this out of my system. It wasn't ever intended to be, this is Redwood Sun. You can't put out a double album and expect people to understand right. 
what your identity is. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm I'm just sticking with it. Like there may be a point where Redwood Sun puts out a you know uh, an electronic mm -hmm. you know the name is irrelevant. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's like you can do whatever you want these days. And so yeah. I think. Um, you know, the fan base that I've had. I mean, it's not like Dylan going electric and people, <clears throat> people aren't going to boo you and throw things at you. Yeah, I mean. It's not like, it's not like uh, uh, Stravinsky debuting the Rite of Spring, okay? Mm -hmm. People are much, much, much uh, in a much better place about that stuff, I guess. Yeah, well, and I also don't have nearly enough of a footprint to even think that yeah. that, that would make a difference anyways. I mean, right now, I can literally... They wouldn't agree with the branding, but I could literally be a, uh, like I said earlier, atmospheric jazz artist right. named Redwood Sun. They're like, that yeah. doesn't make sense, <laughs> but sure, whatever. That's the kind of music it does. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still so irrelevant, you know, on the on the large scale of things that I can I can decide to do anything. But so, is this album a, a, a collection of tunes, or is, is there something that ties it together lyrically? Thematically, um, I mean, as far as well, what ties it together is that I have really, you know, so working with Steve, just to bring that back, yeah. he, I decided to go with him because I wanted to do something uh, close to home with somebody who's been around for a long time that could help me kind of break some of the, the perceptions that I had of mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to be doing or what I'm, because I thought I'd figured out, yeah. this is what I'm doing, and so I go into the, in the studio telling him this is what I'm thinking and he's just like no no you know he's he's all about just tearing things down but he's gonna stay focused yeah. on the songs themselves it's like when Keith Schreiner produced Stephanie Schneiderman and mm -hmm. they went to the studio and the first thing he said was no strumming right <laughs> yeah well in yeah I mean it wasn't it wasn't so different he he's been really great in terms of just you know he's he's decisive and uh, I think that's half the battle with yeah. being a producer is you just, you have a gut check about something and you say no, or yes, or yeah, more of that, less of that, uh -huh. whatever. Uh -huh. And part of my exhaustion with always being the one making the decision is yeah. that I just get so, I could go either direction. I feel yeah. like I'm foolishly, you know, optimistic in that way too, where uh -huh. I just, I can find the silver lining in anything. Um, and so it's been good to have him keeping me you know, in line, but also, um, you know, in, in terms of the, the the band and the sound and the how it ties together, you know, it's it's been this push through the resistance that's been because I've been met with a lot of resistance over the years, you know, and and that that situation with Kip was a, was tragic for everybody. Yeah. For my own particular thing, it was a real big blow because I was he was like my number one guy yeah. um, and we were getting ready to make a record together right when he passed away so uh, the tragedy or the resistance or whatever people run into they all have a story everybody's got a story but for my particular go on this album it's kind of this hurry up to wait mm -hmm. process that we've done because Steve had a window of opportunity to get yeah. into this flirted about it for a couple years and he was like well hey maybe now is the time I've got a little bit of time I'm like okay I'm not ready but yeah let's do it mm -hmm. um, and so we get into the studio and literally in the middle of 
tracking on the second day I get an email from my attorney because I was you know I've been involved in a long it's over now but I was involved in a, a long family court litigation with my son and his mom and that just was not going away and, you know in the end it all went in the direction that it needed to go and he's with me 100% and you know there's a lot of things that I was He looks awful good in that video. He's he's a, yeah. <laughs> he's a good kid, he's a good looking kid, he's a talented kid. He's you know and he's he's a he's a daddy's boy, you know. Yeah. He's with me 100%. He's playing guitar. Been. He plays a little bit. Yeah. He plays drum. He was just really into like rhythm dancing, yeah. you know. He's into rapping. Of course. Uh, yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> That's what's popular right now. But um, the theme that, that I would probably say shines through more than anything is just how much, literally from the, from the time we got into the studio to now where it's done, I've had, we've done so much hurrying up to wait. Mm -hmm. Whether it's hurrying up to get in to get that basic tracking and then we wait. And then it's hurrying in to get some things done before my engineer buddy had to you know, break the studio down and move it to another studio and then we wait for that. And then we hurry up to get it off um, to mixing and then there was a misunderstanding where the guy didn't actually get to it for you know, two and a half months after we got my, my drive. And, and so there's been a lot of this like urgency just in time to get something to a certain deadline which is yeah. not a real deadline because obviously now we are a year and a half, almost two years away from when we started it, and uh, and that's actually the funny. I'm trying to play around with the the, the irony of these <laughs> dates, but I decided I was going to release it on April 16th because that's when we started recording it uh -huh. two years ago. Yeah. And so I set a date. Like, all right, that's it. April 16th. That's the release. <laughs> um, Mississippi Studios. Like done deal. Get it, you know, get it online, get it announced, like nothing can go sideways, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Made a decision. And then to find out it's record store day. Oh. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Well that could be cool, right? Could it's be. record store day. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then I get a hold of Terry and I say, Hey, I'm really smiling on record store day and I'm thinking maybe there's a way that I can bring some more, you know, visibility to record store day. Where it's not just about my release, but it's about this is record store day. Yeah. Um, and so then we start going down that rabbit hole of, you know, what does Record Store Day mean? Because obviously there's a lot of yeah. opinions about that too. And I'm thinking this could either like overshadow my release or this could, you know, tie into my release. It's yeah. also yeah. right after tax day. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I find myself just, and it all started just because, well, that's when we started recording two years ago. And it's a Saturday <laughs> in 2016, and we need to pick a date and just, and just go with it. Yeah. Um, but Steve has been really, he's, he's amazing at, uh, and I've told him this directly too, he has read my mind uh -huh. like three or four times where we're doing that waiting process. We've hurried up, and now we're waiting, and I'm like, where are we at with this? What's going on right now? Yeah. And I will be talking about, and I'm not running out talking about him every single day. Literally four times I've been talking about him or telling somebody about the album. I'm like, I don't know what's actually going on right now. I haven't heard from Steve. And then I get a text from him <laughs> checking in. I'm like, 
Does this guy, does he have a drone on me right now? What? He's, he's really, like, he's got a good alignment with the uh -huh. projects that he's working on. He's got a good sense of time. Yeah. Super patient, but he knows when to, you know, push things through. And as far as somebody who's um, constantly multitasking on a variety of things, I haven't met anybody who's really more uh, calm and, and, and effective in his multitasking abilities. Yeah. So I've been impressed. I think he's a great guy. Michael Quinby's a friend of mine, and, and uh, he, you know, he, he just uh, Steve jumped 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 in on uh, the Roseland Hunter dog with both feet. Mm -hmm. You know, and just uh, did a great job. And it was really the reason that the album came out the way it did. Yeah, one well, Michael and I talked a lot about that through the process because yeah. we've been really good friends for a while now yeah. too, and we we're both working with Steve simultaneously. Uh -huh. um, it was interesting because we're obviously very different projects. Yeah, and we're working with the same guy, but he knows what each thing needs. So the last thing that I thought when I left Nashville and decided I don't want to do a record in Nashville, mm -hmm. I want to go back home and do a record with Steve Berlin and just see what comes out of it. The last thing I expected was to end up with a country sounding record. And that's uh, what you ended up with. Oh yeah, there's yeah. there's it's a very kind of retro. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, a throwback pedal steel. Yeah, I got pedal steel. Awesome. Yeah. And, and Tucker do you, Jackson. Do you, do you play that? No. No. I had Paul Brainerd on the record. Well, of course. <laughs> the only guy I ever heard play Thelonious Monk on a, on a pedal steel. He's, he's <laughs> unreal, man. I had a really, you know, I put the band together based on guys that I knew and loved. And, uh, and then Steve brought in some you know, guys to overdub that he was really wanting to have on it. So Paul was one. And then Asher came in, and yeah. he overdubbed and played all the keys. Cool. Um, but I put together what I felt was like a really great kind of cosmic country band yeah. for the for the basic track. And I originally wanted Ezra Holbrook to play drums, mm -hmm. and then Matt both on bass, um, and then Louis on guitar. And then Ezra last minute uh, wasn't feeling great about his headspace and chops at the time for what he said. He yeah. said my country chops aren't entirely up to speed. Um, I was like, well, that's not. I took it as a sign to, you know, look look at some other options and I got really lucky and um, Walker Beckman, who was the original drummer for Tango Off Tango, mm -hmm. he came in fairly last minute and that was the band for the basic track, and I felt like we just really hammered through and got some great stuff done. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, you know, with the pedal steel and the other, the, the overdubs that we got, I was like, this is kind of adult contemporary country yeah. in a way, but it's got a real rock and roll throwback. But let's, let's to get it. back to what it's saying. To what the album is saying? Yeah. Well, the album. Well, lyrically, it's saying a lot about, it's, it's really honest, mm -hmm. which I'm, I am honest to a fault. Um, and then there's a lot of that sort of trial and tribulation, mm -hmm. struggle, and that same idea of, you know, hurrying up to wait or just like 
working through the resistance. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas a lot of people may just say, this, you know, this isn't meant to be, and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of beating my head into a wall. Mm -hmm. People may typically just pull back or just pull the plug altogether. I'm like, no, no, the harder it gets, that's when I just want to push back oh, yeah. more yeah. and make sure that it gets done. And so I, I guess lyrically, um, all the songs are a mixture of, you know, loss, uh, sadness, trials, um, resistance, and then, and then with that same sort of constant redwood sun, but it's going to be okay, kind of, you know, there's, there's hope, you know, yeah. there's light at the end of the tunnel, and yeah. so, you know, like you mentioned the video um, that's got Caden in it, that song is called You Know You, Yeah. and that song is just about, nobody can tell you what is best for you, better than you can tell yourself, yeah. like, if people can stop and just like silence all of the outside noise and just get real with themselves, they know what they're supposed to be doing. I think inherently they know what mm -hmm. they're supposed to be doing and people look for distractions or excuses to, to avoid that reality. So for me, I knew that um, you know, the, the, the alcohol aspect in my life was not, it's not like, oh, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a anything there's no label on it I just yeah. said this is something that's getting in the way of me reaching my goals or my true potential or whatever and I just need to eliminate things from my life whether it's alcohol or certain relationships or yeah. um, certain patterns that just keep us mm -hmm. just settling so I think lyrically that's what comes through more than anything on this record is that you know you got to push yourself to Hold yourself accountable. You gotta, yeah. you gotta stay accountable and push yourself to reach your potential instead of sitting around complaining or or, or dwelling in the fact that things haven't gone your way or whatever. That video will be below this little audio player. That you oh, okay. <laughs> well, that video was really fun. I mean, yeah, it's got a a heaviness and a and a kind of a. I've actually had a lot of people tell me that they that it made them cry you know and in the in the middle of making it because I know what's going on and we're yeah. I thought I was like I thought I was going to come across cheesy or cliche oh no and uh, and a lot of people were really really affected by it and yeah. they felt they, they were on the journey with with, with me or yeah. this character who was really about to just yeah. throw in the towel and uh and that's great. I mean, and you'll always have that little piece of video there at the end with your son. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really sweet moment. Yeah. Right there at the end. And it was really authentic. Like oh, was, it, looks, it looks authentic. Yeah. He was, I'm not going to say that he's got a future in acting or anything like that, but, <laughs> you know, he, he was able to tap into something during that. And I think it was because he, he, was, he was there for the whole thing. We went up yeah. to Yakima and shot it with Cody Beebe. And um, Caden saw all these other scenes, and so he saw my focus and where I was trying to take this, you know, and, and when it was his time to, to be on camera, he wanted to do a good job and like emulate what I was doing. 
And, and actually, the, the scene where, where I shot the bottle, he got really uncomfortable. Um, and we're just busy doing our thing. And all of a sudden, I look over, and Caden's just like fidgeting, and he looks really nervous. I'm like, hey, what's, what's going on, buddy? What's, what's wrong? It's like, I'm just, I'm just having a lot of emotions right now, and I'm really uncomfortable. Because I've got this gun, and the look on my face is like, he doesn't know what I'm going to do. Because I'm in this character of, I'm, he doesn't, maybe I'm just going to shoot myself or something. Right. He doesn't really know. And so he was completely caught up in that moment because I'm in this character, and he's there watching and this is a real gun, and we're shooting it at this bottle, and he was like, that was a huge moment for him, and so, um, yeah, in the end, it came across genuine, and my fear of it being cheesy or cliche was just my, my own insecure artistry, whatever, shining through, but, yeah, I feel good about it, and that song, and pretty much every song on the record, it's all pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's just very real, very yeah. honest. April 16th. April 16th, yeah. Apparently what that means is that um, April 15th would be the release date. Yeah. Um, that's what I've been told, is that they switched it from Tuesdays to Friday or whatever. So I don't know how I feel about that. I'm sure I'll find a way to make a silver lining in that. Will there be another so, music video by then? Yeah, I have some, I have some things in the works right now. There's a song called Punches that's really like the musician's song on the record. Mm -hmm. Every every musician that hears it, it's like, wow, that song is amazing. They could care less about the other, you know, <laughs> singer-songwriter, storyteller tunes, but this one resonates with people. And I've I've got some stuff going where uh, we have a little video that's very dark and in-depth, um, but that's another song that was, I, I actually put on SoundCloud for a little bit in September in, in honor of Suicide Awareness Month because there were some people that were experiencing that at the time, and the song, it really is about people who are holding on by a thread, and then it's got that, there's a bridge section that's yeah. just like, it lightens up, and it's all very hopeful, so. I don't want to fuck with your marketing, but. Would you mind pre uh, letting us preview it? No, I mean, I, I'm actually using that. That's what I want to use that song okay. for is, is, a, is a preview. Well, then we'll put that between the little player you're listening to now and the video. How about that? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay. I just like that you said, I don't want to fuck with your marketing. Yeah. That's <laughs> so matter of fact. I want to get that quote. Matter of fact, uh, if you get that MP3 to me mm -hmm. in the next couple of days, I'll just put it at the end of this. No. We'll just go out on that song. How about that? Yeah, that's good with me. Okay. Thanks a lot. This has been terrific. It's nice getting to know you. And uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me.
die for the day So you can live for the night 